I'd like you to turn on your Bibles or turn in your Bibles, whichever you prefer, and go to Luke chapter 1 and Isaiah chapter 7, two passages of Scripture, put a marker in Isaiah 7, we'll come to that later, but we will begin with the first chapter of the book of Luke. We're going to look at the crucial questions of Christmas in a new series called, Will I Trust God? In the very first Christmas, the destinies of Mary, of Joseph, of the shepherds, uh, even the innkeeper, the wise men, all of their destinies were wrapped up in their response to a critical question that was asked of them and how they would respond, and they apply directly to your life. And today we're going to begin with the first critical question that was asked of Mary, and we're going to begin with her. So beginning in verse 26, let's read uh, this together. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed. This, this is more than engagement. This is a legal uh, pledging of two people's lives together. It's more than just engagement in our culture. She was betrothed to this man named Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And you need to know that she's about 13 or 14 years of age. People only live to about the age of 40. It's, that's at the average lifespan. So people got married a lot sooner than today. So you have to understand she's very, very young. And the angel of the Lord came to her and said, Greeting, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb. Imagine being told this. You will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of God. He will be called uh, the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. These are code words for a Jewish person who is recognizing these are the descriptive terms of the Messiah, of the promised one, the one who would come from God and would rescue and redeem his people. And so her mind is just exploding at these things. And Mary said to the angel naturally, how will this be? Good question because I am a virgin. I don't understand this. And the angel answered her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore, this baby that you're carrying will be called holy. It won't just be the son of Joseph. It will be the son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has conceived a son. And she is in her sixth month with her who was called barren. I mean, nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said these amazing words, and I want you to listen. Behold, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me according to to your word. I'd like you to say that with me and practice those words. Let it be to me according to your word. One more time. Let it be to me according to your word. And at that, the angel left. It is the questions that you will ask yourself at the crucial moments of life that will determine your destiny. And the more honest and the more brave and the more courageous you are with the questions that you will ask of yourself will determine how far you will go in life. And the underlying question in this passage that is given to Mary is this very important question. Will I accept the destiny that God is giving me? 
It's a great question, and it's your question today. Will you accept the destiny that God has for you? Or are you just going to go on with your own plan? Will you be able to say, Lord, let it happen to me. Let whatever you say happen in my life. Let it be to me according to your word. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will just uh, empty me of myself and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I pray your word would come alive and off the page and into our hearts. And I pray that we would say yes to you uh, unreservedly and that we would walk out of here in some way changed, different than the way we came in. I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. No one's going to believe me. No one's going to understand Who am I going to talk to? What would I even say? My life is going to be changed forever. Can you imagine the initial reaction to a teenage mind of having the angel of the Lord not only show up before her, but then begin to say the things that he said? He says, you're going to have a baby. This baby will be God. You're not going to have sex with anybody. And her mind is blowing up. How is this possible? No, no one's going to, I mean, what will I say? I mean, I can't tell my mom this. I'm going to have a baby. I, I, I'm pregnant. I'm having a baby. Uh, the, I didn't sleep with anybody. It was an angel and it was God. I'm going to have the son of God. I, my mom's not going to believe that. My girlfriends aren't going to believe that. I, I'm going to tell Joseph this. I'm going to go to Joseph and say, Joseph, uh, I'm pregnant but, and you're not the father, but I didn't sleep with anybody else. If, some, if your friend came and told you that, are you going to believe him? No, not a chance. And so, so her mind is caught up with, this is going to, this is, this is, this is, this is going to be difficult. This is going to mean trouble. I, I don't know if anyone's going to believe me. And the word comes to her from the angel, don't be afraid because the Lord is with you and you found favor with God and you're going to Through you, God is going to change the world. And I just want to know, Mary, will you accept the destiny that God has for you? And I am blown away, and we should all be blown away, that this young teenage girl simply says, well, then I'm the Lord's servant. Let whatever you say happen to me. Let it it be to me according to your word. What 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 a profound jump from where she must have been to her point of submission. You see, because nobody's going to understand a virgin birth. And so that's why God gives you exactly what you need even before you know that you need it. I mean, when God has something he wants you to do, when God's going to put a call upon your life, when he's going to say, here's something I'm asking you to step up to the plate, God has already been working and he's putting things into motion and he's putting things in place so that you will be totally prepared. What does a teenage girl need more than anything else in the world than somebody to talk to? And God puts a relative named Elizabeth who's having her own pregnancy miracle, she who was barren, and Zechariah, who they said, you'll never have kids. And the angel of the Lord came to them and said, I'm, your son is going to prepare the way for the Messiah. So, so this miracle is already going on, and the angel says, there's somebody you can talk to. God knows what you need, even though you don't know what you need. And he's already preparing the path for you. And so he gives her Elizabeth. The, the child would become the cousin of the baby that Mary would give birth to, this man, John the Baptist. And he would prepare the way, but I'm so amazed that one of the first ways God just prepared the way was to give this young lady the hope of someone that she could share her mind with and not go crazy. 
See, God has people lined up for you that you don't even know yet to keep you, to talk to you, to, to encourage you, to, to help you figure out what it is that God has for you, to help understand and to shape the destiny that he's called you to. He's not going to leave you alone, but there is a destiny for your life. God didn't just make you and leave you on your own. He doesn't wind up the world and leave it. He designed every person for a reason. I'm wondering, how, why would he choose Mary? What's so special about Mary that he picked her? It wasn't that she was perfect. It wasn't that she was sinless. I mean, there's no indication that she was anything less than just that peasant poor girl. She wasn't rich. She wasn't wealthy. She had no education. I mean, you're more educated than she was. She lived in a backward, you know, off-the-map little town. It wasn't because of her maturity. She's barely a teenager. What is it about Mary that causes God to choose her? And Mary has this incredible, special quality that really any one of us could have, which is simply, God, I want to do whatever it is that you want me to do. God, whatever it is that you say. And so she's got this little quality, but I wonder how she got there. You see, when God starts to blow your mind with a dream, when God starts to say, this is what I want you to do, and you start to count the cost, and you start to go through the things that you might have to give up, and the criticism, and the ridicule, and, and some of the, 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 you know, the sacrifices that will have to be made, I wonder how you go from that to that point where you simply say, okay, God, yes, whatever, I'm all in. Let it be to me according to your word. Thankfully, Mary records this in a song that she wrote. It's the song called Mary's Magnificat. It is in verse 46 of this same chapter, begins 10 magnificent verses where Mary begins to express to God uh, in wonder for what he's done. And in this song are the five reasons why Mary decided that God's plan for me is better than anybody else's plan, than my plan. I'm getting on board with God. It is the same five reasons that God says you can trust him and why you should get on board with God's plan for your life. And so pull out your outline and follow along with me or just jot down to verse 46 or scroll down, whatever it is you do. And let's take a look at this incredibly powerful song that operas have been made out of and oratorios and thousands of songs have been written by one of the, you know, from this beautiful little piece of literature. Verse 46, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Everything gets started in God. You got started in God. You were made by God. You are God's idea. You are his invention. You're his innovation. You're his creation. God has designed you. And anything that is designed is designed for a purpose. So God has a purpose and a destiny because he designed you and formed you in your mother's womb. Not only did God create you and shape you, but God saved you you. And that is kind of a churchy word, I know, but I want you to wrap your head around the word saved for just a minute. What does that mean to be saved? Because, you know, God does have a destiny for your life, and he's got a purpose for your life, but he's never forced his plan and his destiny on anybody. And you didn't follow it, and I didn't follow it, and all of us, like sheep, have wandered away, each one of us to our own way. And so God said, I'm going to lay upon my son the sin of all of you and of me and of the whole world because we've all drifted off. We're all a little bit blind. We don't even see 
You know, we tend to think I'm a fairly good person. Listen, you know what? My heart is desperately wicked. I don't even know it. We, I ha- I'm cursed with a, with a peculiar blindness that doesn't allow me to see myself and my own motives. I'm cursed with this idea that the world somehow should revolve around me and that unless it goes the way I think, I can't be happy. You know, there's something about the way that I think things have to go my way, and if they don't go my way, I need to control or manipulate or steal or take or, or un- whatever. That's in my heart, and it's in your heart, too. It's in everybody's heart. It's in a two-year-old's heart. And so all of us have wandered away, and all of us, because of our heart condition, this attitude that says, I'm in charge, all the sin in the world has resulted. Every broken thing that you can imagine. And God says, I made you for a purpose. I designed you, but every one of you have wandered away, so I need to make a way so that you can come back and get back on the original design that I put you on the planet for. That just makes me want to praise God right there. That God didn't say, well, forget you. I mean, I said forget you to God, but he didn't say that to me. And so Mary gets this. Mary says, my soul rejoices in God. Listen, my Savior. She recognizes this is for me. Mary says, I, I need to be saved. I need to be rescued from myself. And she not only marvels that God is going to save her nation, she says, my Savior. And she says she rejoices. It's not like, well, I guess I'll just do whatever God wants. I guess I'll just get on board. You know, I'll just kind of, well, if I have to, like begrudgingly or reservedly or half-heartedly or some kind of a haphazard way. No, she says, I am enthusiastic. I, I am in- I am excited. I am, I am on board with whatever God wants for me. I rejoice in the fact that my life is going to have a purpose. You see, when you get that, when you say, this is what I was born for, God made me. He created me. And I want to do exactly what God wants with my life. When you say yes to that, God will take you further than you ever even dreamed. It's not going to be without cost or without sacrifice, or without criticism, or without difficulty, but he promises the second, the second thing that Mary begins to praise God for is right here. She says, not only has God made me and saved me, but that, you know, he cares for me more than anybody else has cared for me. So even though it's going to be hard and difficult, and if I say yes, I'm going to be fulfilled, and when I go through the difficult times, God is going to be right there with me because he is mindful of the state of his humble servant. Look what he says. He's mindful of me. What does the word mindful mean? He's alert. He's aware. He's, he's watching. He's, he's, he's looking at you. He is aware of what's going on in your life. He is attentive. Nobody else may be paying attention to you, or you may feel like nobody understands you, but God understands everything that's going on in your heart because he made you, and he notices you. He, Jesus said in Matthew 10, he says, there's not even a little sparrow that will fall to the ground that my heavenly Father does not notice, and you are worth so much more than many sparrows. He, he's numbered the hairs on your head that are still there today. He knows the number of hairs in your ear. I mean, he knows, he knows that kind of detail about your life. And so Mary goes, I can, I can trust somebody that knows me better than anybody else. Old Willie Nelson used to sing that song, you know, maybe I, you know, wasn't there. Maybe I didn't pay attention. Maybe I didn't do anything worth anything, but you were always on my mind, liar. <laughs> If you weren't there, if you weren't paying attention, if you weren't around, you were not on his mind. I promise you. 
right? That's just justification, like, because I wasn't there, so I need to make up somehow for the fact that I wasn't there. You know, you were always on my mind, right? But, but listen, I've I got to be honest. I love my wife, but truthfully, she's not always, always on my mind. Sorry. I mean, I, mean, I, I don't, I'm sorry. And I love my children. I love them to death. But, you know, there are times I, I, they're not always on my mind. But you see, God says, he makes these statements. He says, no, I'm, you are always on my mind. I am constantly thinking about you. I could prove this scripture after scripture after scripture, like Psalm 115, where he says, the Lord is constantly thinking about us. He will bless us. Or cast all of your cares upon him, 1 Peter 5, 7, because he cares for you. He's always thinking about you. I mean, we could just go on. God is constantly, he's thinking of you more than you think about yourself, which is amazing. But God is thinking about you. And so, so you can trust God's plan because he's aware and he promises to be with you. And he's looking out for you. And he says, he says when you go through deep waters, I will be there with you. When you go through fiery situations, you won't get burned. I'm looking out for you. I'll be with you. My power and my presence will go with you. Bill O'Reilly says every time he signs off, you know, this is the no-spin zone, and we're looking out for you. (laughs) He's not looking out for you. I promise you that. He doesn't even know your name. But God is looking out for you. He is looking out for you. And so that's one of the reasons Mary is praising the Lord, because not only has he made me and he saved me, but he's looking out for me. But look what else. I mean... she, she says in her Magnificat that this plan, God, is, that, that you've made for me is so much better than, than just my life because this is the key to God's blessing. God is going to bless his plan, not your plan. This may come as a shock to you, but, but I want you just to picture this. Imagine, you know, if I'm the person that says, God, what is it that you are blessing in this world? And help me to get in on that. I want to do what you want. Versus the person that says, I don't care about what you want, but God, here's what I want. Will you bless it? You know, it's just plain as day. I mean, God will not just bless the person that goes off and just does whatever they want. God is looking for people whose hearts are fully committed to him. And so if you say, God, I'm willing, I'll get on board with your plan. This is the key to blessing. I want God to bless you. I want the next 10 years of your life to be the best 10 years of your life. That's why I've been teaching you about faith. And that's why I've been fueling you about faith for weeks now. Because you'll never be able to get past your hurdles and your obstacles unless you reach down somewhere inside and say, okay, by faith, I say yes. I don't see it how it's all going to work out, but by faith, I will, I will align myself with God and with his plan and with his word. If you will do that, that is the key to blessing. It's what I've been teaching you for weeks and weeks and weeks. God, I want to be blessed, and I want to be in on what you're blessing. She says this in verse 48, For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Why? Because she knew that faith and obedience go together. She says, okay, God, let it be to me according to your word. I'm obeying. And the blessing of God is going to be on my life. Not just forever. He who is mighty, he's done great things for me. Holy is his name. She just starts to praise him when she thinks about the goodness of God upon her life and how fortunate she is to be doing his plan. And then, look at this though, verse 50. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And in that statement, she just included all of us. 
because it's not just her that's going to be blessed. It's not just that she's some unique person. She had the privilege of bringing, uh, being the mother of Jesus, but she says the blessing of God is for every person who will say, God, I will be obedient to you. I will fear you. Let's just talk about the fear of the Lord for a second. Uh, we've forgotten about this, you know, but the fear of the Lord where we say, God, you know what? I'm kind of scared to do my thing. I need to do what you say. I respect you. I, I honor you. I want what you want. I'm a little bit nervous to do anything outside. I know that I want to be exactly where you want me to be. The person that says that, notice, will not just be blessed in their own life, but their, their children, the generations to come. I'm so grateful that my grandparents got this. The decisions they made to obey God affect you because it affected me, affected my parents. Your decisions don't just affect you. It's not just about you. You you cast a pretty big wake in your life of all the people you touch and all those that are coming after you. Behold, all generations will call me blessed. He's mighty, he's done great things. Holy is his name, and his mercy is is for those who fear him from generation to generation. I'm so glad she got this. I mean, I wonder, I mean, could she have said no? Could she have said, you know what, I, I don't want to do God's plan for my life? Yes, absolutely, unequivocally, yes, because God does not force his plan on anybody. God doesn't force you. He's never forced you yet. He's pretty much left you to decide to choose. You know, you can go your way or you can come his way. And he does that for every person. Because the design of God, he says, I made you to love you and I want you to love me back. And you cannot force love to happen. Love is a choice. And so he could have made you a robot and he could have just said, you have to do what I say, but he didn't. He gave you a free will and he gave the the ability to respond to him. So of course, she could have missed the plan of God for her life and you could miss yours too. Mary would have known as early as she could understand language, she would have heard this verse being read in Deuteronomy chapter 30. Every little Jewish child would have heard this. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 12, where the Lord puts before the people of Israel this great choice. Choose today, blessing or curse. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. I've set before you life and death, blessings or a curse. So he's begging them, you know, choose life. Choose the right way that you and your offspring may live, you and your children. Your choice will not just affect your life, but again, your generation and the generation that comes after you. And so I'm always appealing to you as your pastor who loves you, who's saying, I want God to to bless your life and the next 10 years to be the most prosperous, the most healthy, the most secure, the most exciting uh, years that you've ever had. It's gonna cost a few things. And primarily the first cost is this. When the question comes to you, you know, will you accept the destiny of God for your life? Will you choose to follow his path for you? What are you gonna say? How will you respond? You see, I think a lot of people are, are, are here, right? And they say, God, whatever you want, I'm in. But I know there's a lot of people who basically are like this. You know what? I just want to watch. I just want to observe other people making sacrifice and commitment. I want to watch other people follow Christ. I want to hear their stories. I want to sort of live vicariously through the testimonies of other people and feel good and come and just attend. But I don't really know. I mean, think about this offering that we're going to do, this One Life offering in just a few weeks. I know, I know there's some of you who are saying, you know what, I know that's all good. I'm good for you, Heartland, but I'm just not going to participate. I'm just going to watch. I'm not going to be involved. 
And I would say, man, what a, what a terrible thing to miss out on. Why do you think God brought you here? Why, why did God bring you here? Why did he bring you to hear this and to, to be a part of this? I don't know how you got here. Did somebody invite you? Did you get tired of something else and decide, well, I'm going to try this out? Have you been coming for a while? Uh, did your parents bring you? Are there, is there some reason why, you know, you thought that you decided why you should be here? And I want to tell you, you either believe this or you don't. Do you believe that your steps are ordered of God or not? Do you believe that this is just some coincidence that, you, that God brought you to this place at this time, that you're hearing this today? Do you think that God is going to, um, you know, you're going to stand before God someday and he'll say, what were you thinking? I brought you to a church that's going to help you grow. I'm going to bring you to a church where, 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 where people are going to reach into your life and help you. And do you think I brought you there so you could just sit by and watch me bless some other people? Don't waste your life like that. You see, I want everybody to have this great sense of kind of an excitement about everything. When, when, you, when you start thinking about, why did God have you here? I think you should really ask that. God, why am I here? Why did you put me here? And will you just simply pray? Even as we come to that offering, would you just say, Lord, whatever you want, whatever you ask of me, God, I'm going to consider over these next few weeks what you would use me for. As you, have you brought me here to extend your kingdom? That's all I'm asking, right? I'm not asking for anybody to feel uh, pressured or guilty, but I'm not going to let up on this question. Why are you here? Why did God bring you, if not for such a time as this? And what, why did God bring us together? And what destiny would he have for all of us as a group of people that follow him? Mary said, I don't want to miss out on God's plan for my life. Let me give you another reason what Mary talked about. She said, one of the reasons why I'm so excited about God's great plan for my life and why I'm going to buy into it is because I know that God blesses the humble. God honors humility. Take a look at this in verse 51. He has shown strength with his arm, but he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart. This is really good. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones, but he has exalted the humble, those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, but the rich he has sent away empty. This is a great reversal. And I'm so amazed that a, that a teenage mind, this 13-year-old girl, would capture this, this amazing thought about the nature of God that basically says, you know, for those who feel self-sufficient, for those who feel I've got my own life, my own plan, my own ambitions, my own dreams, God says, well, good luck. You're on your own. But for the person that says, God, I need you. I want you. I want you to seek after me. Or I, want, I want to seek after you. God says, uh, God, God exalts that humble attitude. This is an amazing, amazing song, isn't it? I wish you could just grasp how beautiful the words are, even in their original language. You know, Taylor Swift is an amazing songwriter. You all heard of her. She wrote her first song at the age of 10. At the age of 14, the Sony Corporation hired her to write songs for all of their other artists and uh, to, to be a professional songwriter at the age of 14. That is some kind of talent, isn't it? I mean, wouldn't you like to write songs at the age of 14 for Sony? I mean, amazing. But I'll tell you what, I, she is not the greatest teenage songwriter who ever lived. The greatest teenage songwriter who ever lived is, is Mary when she wrote this song because she's amazing what she does. In, in 10, 10 verses, she weaves together 17 different attributes of God. 
she weaves together 10 distinct passages from the Old Testament and alludes to them and weaves them in together. She knows, from, she does this from memory. She knows the word of God. Could you do that when you were 13? <laughs> Could you do that now? <laughs> you know why God chose Mary? This is why God chose Mary right here, because she knew the word of God. You're more educated than her. You know more stuff, but she knew God's word. And the only way you know God's word like that is that at some point in your life, there comes a moment and a decision where it doesn't just become, I gotta read the Bible. It comes to this humble decision where you say, I need to know what God says to me. I need to know, I want to do his will. I don't want to go to the left. I don't want to go to the right. I want to obey him. I want to do what he says. I have a heart to hear his voice. I want him to speak to me. I have an appetite. I want to study. I want to know the word of God. And when you have that, that what's required for that is just a humility that says, I don't know that my way is good. I don't think I'm on the right path. I'm going to need God's help. God blesses that kind of humble attitude. And I promise you that pride and arrogance and the attitude like, well, God, forget you. And you know what, God, I can do my own thing. Listen to what the scripture says. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. I want God to honor you in the next 10 years. I want him to honor your family, your business, your finances. So listen to what the scripture says. Before honor is humility. It's another passage. Or I want him to lift you up. I want him to bless you. I want him to lift up your health. Do you know what the scripture says? Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. It all starts with humility. And really this whole song is built around one foundation, which is incredible faith that Mary has. And she has faith. And the fifth reason why uh, she says, God, I can trust your plan is because God keeps his promises. And she believes that. She says, you know what, God, you have never broken a promise. Look what she says, verse 54. And he, God, has kept the promise that he has made to our ancestors. What's the promise? That God would send a savior, a Messiah, that he would actually send the promised one. That promise that was made, listen, 2,000 years before Mary showed up, God spoke to Abraham and said, I promise you that through your line, through your family, one will come that will save the world. And God keeps his promise. And he's, he may not be on your schedule. And Mary's going, wow, 2,000 years we've been waiting. But he kept his promise to me. 800 years before she was born, God whispered to another man named Isaiah. And he said this, write this down, this prophecy. And he said in the seventh verse of the 14th chapter, he said, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And she was now with child, and God was now going to be with us. This is 800 years before she's born. All of this to say that the plan that God had for her life went into effect long before she was ever born. And God's plan for you was made before you were ever born. And you've got to believe that. That Psalm 139 says that he formed you in your mother's womb and he designed you and he made you for his purpose and his plan. And you have to decide, am I going to be like Mary and say, Lord, let it be unto me according to your word. I'm ready to do whatever you say. I'm ready to follow. I'm ready to say yes to you no matter what. And so she said yes. And the baby came. The baby was born. And then the baby grew up and went to a cross and died for your sin and mine. 
And you see, the Bible never talks to us about celebrating the birth of Jesus. Never. But it says over and over and over again to celebrate the resurrection, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You know, without that, without the resurrection, there wouldn't even, Christmas wouldn't even matter. It'd just be another baby that was born. But because of the resurrection, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And so we're going to celebrate his birth and his advent into our world this whole month. But today we're going to celebrate his death and his burial and his resurrection. I'm going to invite those who have decided, helped us serve today. Would you come and serve everybody this symbol of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, a little piece of bread and a cup? There's two symbols of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The first one is baptism, where Jesus, at the age of 30, as a grown adult, walked into the waters of baptism. He was dedicated as a baby in the temple, but of his own volition, he went into the water, and he submitted to baptism. And if you've not obeyed Jesus' command to be baptized, you need to be baptized. And you can do that today, right after this service. But... The second symbol is this piece of bread in this cup symbolizing his broken body and his shed blood on the cross. And he commanded his disciples that often when you meet together, I want you to remember what has been done for you. And as this is being served to you this morning, I want to ask you just to stop and to ponder this question. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Will you decide, Lord, your plan for my life is what I want, unreservedly. Let it be to me according to your word. Josh, will you come up? Jake, will you come up and sing for us? with me, church. Give myself away.
say a prayer of commitment, a prayer of surrender. And as I say these words and they resonate with your heart, you say, that is my prayer. That's me. Then you just say, dear God, this is my prayer. Yes, Lord. Father in heaven, I surrender humbly to your plan for my life. I realize that you made me for your purpose and that you saved me for your purpose. And I realize that nobody cares about me like you care about me. I know that your plan for my life is the key to blessing. I humble myself before you, knowing that you honor humility. And I thank you for keeping your promises. And thank you for never giving up on me. And so, Lord, today, let it be to me according to your word. I say yes to you. I don't understand all that that entails, but from this day forward, I want to follow you, I want to obey you, I want to know you, I want to live for you, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. If that's you, you say, yes, God, that's me. For the rest, Lord, I have played church, I have attended church, but today I commit myself fully to you, all of me, all in. I want your destiny for me. I thank you for taking the punishment for my sin upon the cross. I remember what you went through. Thank you, Lord, for taking the beating that you did and for dying on a cross for me. Let's eat the bread together. Lord, I thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that your blood was shed for me, covers all my sin, and I can come to you now without shame, without any guilt. And you want to use me, and I'm so grateful for that. I rejoice in that. So thank you for your shed blood on the cross. Let's drink together. Thank you, Lord. Will you just stand with me? I want to lead you in a prayer of blessing for you, for your family. And as we leave today, here's what you need to know. There are going to be people that are going to come along the front here, and they're going to be available to pray for you. And I haven't said this in a little while, but I just want to say this really clearly, that it is normal for Christians to ask for prayer. I shouldn't have to say that, but it's the normal thing. It's what Christians have been doing for centuries. And we come and we, we humble ourselves before someone else and say, please pray with me about anything, about any situation. And there are folks here that are going to be ready to pray with you and to agree with you and to encourage you. And they're here every week. And then for those of you who say, you know what, I need to commit my life to Christ. And today I've done that. I've prayed that prayer. And today you want to be baptized. I'll meet you in the water in just a minute. But uh, thank you for being here and thank you for giving today. The offering uh, boxes are on your way out as you leave. But let me pray this blessing over you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for your blessings on us, on our church, on the families here. We've just gone through Thanksgiving and we have so much to say thank you for. We can never give back to you what you've already given to us. And so we give to you today with grateful hearts. We bring you our tithe and our offerings with joy and gratitude. 
I pray a blessing upon our church, Lord. I pray that you'll bless the people here today with the grace of the Lord Jesus, with the love of the Father and the power of your spirit. As we go out of here today, considering our commitment to you, may you stretch our faith. May we not miss our moment of destiny. May we make today a turning point in our lives. I pray that there would be participation by every person in our family, that all of us together would say, God, we say yes to you. I want you to stretch my faith. Father, I pray that you protect our families this week, protect their health, protect their businesses. Thank you that you keep your promises and that your blood has never lost its power. I pray your Holy Spirit now would draw every person who needs prayer, who needs to be baptized. And I thank you for what you've done in our hearts today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I love you, everyone. God bless you. Keep coming back. We'll see you next time.